Section zero zero of To the Last Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Kilmer. To the Last Man by Zane Gray. Forward. It was inevitable that in my efforts to write romantic history of the Great West, I should at length come to the story of a feud. For long I have steered clear of this rock, but at last I have reached it and must go over it, driven by my desire to chronicle the stirring events of pioneer days. Even today it is not possible to travel into the remote corners of the West without seeing the lives of people still affected by a fighting past. How can the truth be told about the pioneering of the West if the struggles the fight, the blood, be left out. It cannot be done. How can a novel be stirring and thrilling, as were those times, unless it be full of sensation? My long labors have been devoted to making stories resemble the times they depict. I have loved the West for its vastness, its contrast, its beauty and color, and life for its wildness and violence, and for the fact that I have seen how it developed great men and women who died unknown and unsung. In this materialistic age, this hard, practical, swift, greedy age of realism, it seems there is no place for writers of romance, no place for romance itself. For many years all the events leading up to the Great War were realistic, and the war itself was horribly realistic, and the aftermath is likewise. Romance is only another name for idealism, and I contend that life without ideals is not worth living. Never in the history of the world were ideals needed so terribly as now. Walter Scott wrote romance, so did Victor Hugo, and likewise Kipling, Hawthorne, Stevenson. It was Stevenson, particularly, who wheeled a bludgeon against the realists. People live for the dream in their hearts, and I have yet to know anyone who has not some secret dream, some hope, however dim, some storied wall to look at in the dusk, some painted window leading to the soul. How strange indeed to find that the realists have ideals and dreams. To read them, one would think their lives held nothing significant. But they love, they hope, they dream, they sacrifice, they struggle on with that dream in their hearts, just the same as others. We are all dreamers, if not in the heavy-lidded wasting of time, then in the meaning of life that makes us work on. It was Wordsworth who wrote, The world is too much with us, and if I could give the secret of my ambition as a novelist in a few words, it would be contained in that quotation. My inspiration to write has always come from nature character and action, a subordinated to setting. In all that I have done, I have tried to make people see how the world is too much with them. Getting and spending, they lay waste their powers, with never a breath of the free and wonderful life of the open. So I come back to the main point of this forward, in which I am trying to tell why and how I came to write the story of a feud notorious in Arizona as the Pleasant Valley War. Some years ago, Mr. Henry Adams, 
a cattleman of Vermajo Park, New Mexico, told me that he had been in the Tonto Basin of Arizona and thought I might find interesting material there concerning this Pleasant Valley War. His version of the war between cattlemen and sheepmen certainly determined me to look over the ground. My old guide, Al Doyle of Flagstaff, had led me over half of Arizona, but never down into that wonderful wild and rugged basin between the Mogollon Mesa and the Mazatels Mountains. Doyle had long lived on the frontier, and his version of the Pleasant Valley War differed markedly from that of Mr. Adams. I asked other old-timers about it, and their remarks further excited my curiosity. Once down there, Doyle and I found the wildest, most rugged, roughest, and most remarkable country either of us had visited. And the few inhabitants were like the country. I went in ostensibly to hunt bear and lion and turkey, but what I was really hunting for was the story of that Pleasant Valley War. I engaged the services of a bear hunter who had three strapping sons, as reserved and strange and aloof as he was. No wheel tracks of any kind had ever come within miles of their cabin. I spent two wonderful months hunting game and reveling in the beauty and grandeur of the Rimrock country. But I came out knowing no more about the Pleasant Valley War. These Texans and their few neighbors, likewise from Texas, did not talk, but all I saw and felt only inspired me the more. This trip was in the fall of 1918. The next year I went again with the best horses, outfit, and men the Doyles could provide. At this time I did not ask any questions. But I rode horses, some of them too wild for me, and packed a rifle many a hundred miles, riding sometimes thirty and forty miles a day, and I climbed in and out of the deep canyons, desperately staying at the heels of one of those long-legged Texans. I learned the life of those backwoodsmen, but I did not get the story of the Pleasant Valley War. I had, however, won the friendship of that hardy people. In 1920, I went back with a still larger outfit, equipped to stay as long as I liked, and this time, without my asking it, different natives of the Tonto came to tell me about the Pleasant Valley War. No two of them agreed on anything concerning it, except that only one of the active participants survived the fighting. Whence comes my title, To the Last Man. Thus I was swamped in a mass of material out of which I could only flounder to my own conclusion. Some of the stories told me are singularly tempting to a novelist, but though I believe them myself, I cannot risk their improbability to those who have no idea of the wildness of wild men at a wild time. There really was a terrible and bloody feud, perhaps the most deadly and least known in all the annals of the West. I saw the ground, the cabins, the graves, all so darkly suggestive of what must have happened. I never learned the truth of the causes of the Pleasant Valley War, or if I did hear it, I had no means of recognizing it. All the given causes were plausible and convincing. Strange to state, there is still secrecy and recitance all over the Tonto Basin as to the facts of this feud. Many descendants of those killed are living there now, but no one likes to talk about it. Assuredly, 
Many of the incidents told me really occurred, as, for example, the terrible one of the two women, in the face of relentless enemies, saving the bodies of their dead husbands from being devoured by wild hogs. Suffice it to say that this romance is true to my conception of the war, and I base it upon the setting I learned to know and love so well, upon the strange passions of primitive people, and upon my instinctive reaction to the facts and rumors that I gathered. Zane Gray, Avalon, California, April 1921 End of Forward